everyone, uh, Joe Graves here from Central City Church. It's good to have you join us on Wednesday of Holy Week. The last two days have been uh, pretty interesting. Uh, Jesus had quite the triumphant and loud entrance into Jerusalem, and then he uh, begins teaching on Tuesday and spends the bulk of uh, you know five, five chapters teaching uh, in the temple courts and in the, the surrounding area. Um, but we look mostly at a couple themes around what it meant to hide and how we can be honest people. Well, uh, today we've, uh, we're going to continue the story. And on Wednesday, uh, one of the things, there's a number of things that happen on Wednesday, but one of the big things that happens on Wednesday is uh, Jesus um, is uh, prepared. Um, he, he experiences something that is deeply tied to the fact that he's going to die. Um, he, uh, we'll look at the story here in a second. But uh, he experiences something that is uh, directly linked with the fact that he is, uh, he is close to his death. He's on his deathbed, even though everyone else around him doesn't realize it. So here it is. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 26. So jumping to Matthew 26, verses 6 through 13. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flax of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Now, God, we come before you and we give you thanks for the example of women in Jesus's life. This is yet another woman that we uh, get to learn from, uh, somebody who does something bold and courageous, and the rest of the men in the room don't get it, um, like the women uh, uh, who are there uh, at your resurrection, um, as well as many other places in Scripture. So we give you thanks for her, for the memory of her, and for this bold act of worship and for what it teaches us. We give you thanks for this. In Jesus' name, amen. This story uh, happens uh, with this woman taking this ointment to uh, anoint Jesus. But but in the, in the ancient world, a lot of times the oil was used to anoint people like kings. It was a, a sign of, um, of, of royalty or of, of, of a special blessing from God. That's not what's happening here. It's, it, it maybe could have been similar, but, it, but it, what's interesting is Jesus takes it and he says, no, this is actually, um, this woman is helping me prepare for my death. So, so uh, it, this is a form of early embalming, which is a little grotesque to think about, but this is how Jesus reads it. Jesus knows that he's only days away from giving his life. Now, everyone else has been told this, but they seem oblivious to it. They maybe don't want to believe it. Uh, But something about this woman's act, Jesus connects with his death. So you have to imagine they're sitting and they're eating, they're at table, and the woman comes in 
pours this expensive perfume, this expensive ointment onto Jesus, a similar smell that you would have over a dead body to prevent its stench from reaching beyond the tomb. And it fills the room. You can imagine as this scent fills your room, your space, and the the, the disciples get upset because here's the thing, this ointment was expensive. And from their perspective, you know, what's the point? Why, why do this? Um, in this gospel, it seems to be all the disciples. In one of the other gospels, uh, they're, they're, we're told that it was specifically Judas. Uh, Judas is a part of this story as well. He's there. In fact, right after this story, if you read a couple more verses, Judas decides to, uh, to go and find out how much he can get for Jesus. So he goes to the religious rulers and says, hey, how much would you pay me if I turn Jesus over to you? So you really have these two stories where this woman gives expensive perfume to Jesus, and Judas goes to see what he can get from Jesus. Um, which is an interesting juxtaposition between the two of them. and uh, But the disciples, are uh, all of them, it seems, are like, this could have been used for something better. And Jesus has something to say that has actually been um, misinterpreted many often. He says, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. You know, it's interesting because a lot of work has been done in the world since Jesus to care for the poor. The church hasn't always gotten it right, but man, the church is still deeply engaged around the world in trying to address poverty, especially extreme poverty. And you might not know it, but but the, the rates around extreme poverty are in decline. They were in decline all the way up until COVID, and it actually set uh, set the, the the overall work behind uh, for obvious reasons. Access to resources and stuff really got stalled. But um, we're on our way to ending extreme poverty. Now, that doesn't bring it into poverty, um, but it does bring it into extreme poverty, which is defined currently as anyone who lives on less than $1.90 a day, $1.90 a day, according to the um, uh, World Bank, $1.90 a day. And so we're on our way. So here's a couple of things from this lesson that I really want us to focus on, because caring for the poor is something we're, 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 uh, we care a lot about, and uh, Jesus almost seems to dismiss it. So here's two things that are true about the story. The first one is Jesus is not saying that engaging in acts of worship, which is what this woman's kind of doing, uh, engaging in act of worship is more important than serving the poor. Um, that's not what Jesus is saying here. In fact, we know from the rest of the witness of Scripture that serving the poor is an act of worship. This is clear throughout Scripture. When we in, when we live with, serve, love, become friends with the poor, we are actually meeting Jesus in that act, and, and it is act of worship. In fact, that's what he says. True worship is when we do some of those things, and uh, the, the prophets had quite a bit to say about this. Um, what, what Jesus is saying instead, he's saying that there's something very unique, something out of the ordinary is happening. Um, Jesus is about to die for the sins of the world. And that unique event is was very important to Jesus. Now, if this was just an average day with Jesus teaching like any other day, Jesus would have constantly allowed the marginalized to interrupt the worship service, you know. Um, uh, but that's not what's happening here. This is a specific moment in Jesus' life. So the first thing he's saying, it's not saying that engaging in acts of worship is somehow more important than serving the poor. He's also, uh, in fact, um, and I say this because I, I've seen people that say something along the lines of, the, there's this whole movement in Christianity in America where worship 
and by worship I mean singing songs, is lifted up as the best thing you can do for God. Um, in fact, I, I remember this one worship group uh, uh, came and, and they were leading worship in Franklinton where Little Bottoms is. They were actually leading worship in Little Bottoms before it was Little Bottoms. And uh, I remember them praying and singing. And I love worship. I'm not I'm not bashing worship, but they were praying and singing worship. And they, they almost, they gave me the impression through some of the conversation that worship itself was going to help the neighborhood. And I just remember thinking that that was so odd. Um, and, and I imagine that this passage out of context could be used to support that. Like, it, you know, the best thing you can do is worship Jesus and the poor you always have with you, but what you really need to do is worship Jesus. I, friends, that's not true. <laughs> um, we should worship God, but that means more than singing songs. It even means more than pouring oil over Jesus's head. That was a one-time thing that, that, that was very significant to his story, but but worship is more than that. And we can't separate the two. It is the hard work of justice. The other thing that this story has been used inappropriately for is, is people have used it to say, well, why should I care for the poor? The poor, the poor are always going to be with us. There's always going to be the poor. Jesus said so. They quote this as Jesus saying, the poor will always be with you. Um, and that's interesting because uh, somehow they use it to justify not caring for the poor. Um, and this is a real thing. I've heard this from people. Um, the poor will always be with us, so why do anything about it sort of thing? Um, that is not what Jesus is saying here. As I said already, um, extreme poverty is on its way to ending in the world. And it, it took us 2,000 years, but we're close to getting there. Um, and uh, man, if we were taking Jesus's words seriously, we could have gotten there maybe closer, sooner. I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, but uh, Jesus says, the poor, will not always, the poor will always be with you, but I won't always be with you. Well, clearly from that, we know that Jesus, Jesus didn't mean he wasn't going to always be with us because um, he's with us now. He promised to always be with us. What he's saying is, is there just happens to be this thing happening right now that's significant. Jesus is going to die. And that death would change the world. That's the important thing here. And whether this woman knew it or whether she just felt led by the Spirit or it was just an accident or it meant something else to her, we don't know, but it meant something to Jesus. It showed, it helped him connect with the reality of what would happen as if he was being embalmed already, surrendered to a life of sacrifice that the God of the universe would lay down his life for us. That the God of the universe wouldn't just take on flesh, but have to be embalmed. That that flesh would cease to live. How crazy. It's one thing for God to become human. It's another thing to become human and then allow himself to die as a human in such a way that his flesh would begin to rot and stink and be gross, that it would require embalming. And I know this is a little gross, but this is the point of the story. Jesus is coming to terms with his own mortality, that God would become mortal? That's impossible. <laughs> Why would God ever do that? Why would God allow himself to become something that could rot? And it's in this moment 
that this perfume is being poured over him, this ointment, this embalming stuff that Jesus is able in some beautiful and mysterious way to say, you know what? This is what I came here for, to experience the full breadth of humanity, to experience it all, to live with us, to die for us, and to rise again so that we might rise again as well. We're seeing here on on Wednesday, two days before Good Friday, exactly what's going to happen. The God who became one of us will die. Thanks for listening to today's Holy Week podcast, part of Central City Daily Readings. I hope that you'll join us tomorrow. And also, uh, this coming Friday at 6.30, we'll have a Good Friday service. It will be um, uh, live-streamed as well, so you can join us from uh, from home. And uh, we'll have childcare, so please come on out and uh, enjoy it, uh, even if you've got kids with you. And then on Easter at 9.30 at St. Luke's, we'd love to have you join us for our Easter service. All right, hope to see you there.